Welcome to the She Will Shine podcast, where we bring you the real stories of female business owners. My name is Danielle Price and I'm the founder of She Will Shine, a supportive business network for women. It's time to give a voice to women in business and discover their journey. Hi everyone and welcome to the She Will Shine podcast. Today I'm very excited to interview a lady who I've known for quite a while. Her name is Kath Connell. How are you Kath? I'm good, thanks Danielle. Thank you so much for joining us. Kath is one of our She Will Shine members and she's also a marketing consultant, coach and the creator of Wholehearted Marketing where she focuses on small business marketing with a human touch. And I really like that, Kath, the human touch because um, it really describes you as a person in that those few words. Yeah, thanks. I, I just don't... You know, marketing has such can have such bad connotations, and that's just not me at all. Um, and I think that really relates to a lot of really, you know, people in small business, and particularly women in small business. Absolutely. So yeah, hence why I take that approach. Now, Kath, today I'm very excited because I'm in my she shed, and you happen to be in your she shed. <laughs> I am, and I love my she shed. <laughs> It's a, been a beautiful creative space over the years and it got me off my dining table. So um, I reckon I've had it for about eight or nine years now. So, Okay, so if anyone is listening to this podcast via audio, because we also record the video, um, I have just seen a, um, a chicken go past Kath's little she shed window, which I don't have that here. I must admit, Kath, no chickens at this she shed. But um, jump online to the website of shewillshine.com.au and look for the podcast with Kath because you'll be able to catch the audio and the video. Yeah, and the chickens are always an important part of my videos, you know. (laughs) Let's go back to a time you were in high school and you were a graphic designer just like myself way back when, and you still are. Um, Did you know you wanted to be a graphic designer from high school? Yeah, I did. Um, I mean, it was... One of a number of things I was looking at. But, yeah, I stepped into graphic communications in Year 7 and my teacher just looked at me and went, you're a designer. And so I kind of had that in my head. The other thing was that I think I, you know, my wonderful 15-year-old wisdom thought, oh, that's a job I can do and still work at home and raise my family. Wow, that's a big insight at 15. (laughs) (laughs) Which is just, you know. It took me a long way to actually get to the point where I did that, which is what we'll sort of talk about today. But yeah, that was one of my thinkings of why being a designer would be a really good job. So isn't that interesting then, Kath, because then you already thought you would work for yourself. Whereas when I started graphic design, there was absolutely no thoughts about becoming a business owner. Yeah, look, my mum, I think she started a business when my sister was born. She's a lot, my sister's a lot younger than me. And just to help pay off the mortgage because we had to extend the house. And she hadn't worked for 10 or 11 years or whatever. So, um, yeah, I think that was probably what also triggered that idea that I could start my own business. Um, You know, mum's was always very, very small, but it it, it did actually achieve what she intended to. So that was probably in my mind a, a little bit at the time as well. So, yeah. So straight into uni and design, I presume? So I got into the course that I wanted to get into, um, which was really, really exciting. It was crazy hard work um, and I was waitressing my way through it as well because it was also pretty expensive. (laughs) And um, I took a year off after second year just to try and get some finances together and, you know, stop myself from completely burning out and then went back and 
finished that degree and um, finished my third year and graduated right as the uh, the recession we were, we had to have hit. So getting a job at that time was really, really hard, but I did manage to pick up something. I'd worked as a receptionist in my gap year. Um, and so I managed to pick up a job being a receptionist and a designer. It wasn't a great mix. Um, moved on from that, um, got another job and then decided to throw it all in and travel to Africa for four months. Why Africa? Uh, look, I had a flatmate at the time who'd been and, you know, on one of these overland trips and it sounded pretty exciting. And then I was a bit addicted to the program Northern Exposure and there was a character in that that went to Africa and I went, sure, you know, I'm this young, naive girl from the suburbs. Of course, I'm going to go and travel through Africa as my first trip overseas. So. so did you go on your own or did you go with a friend? I went on my own. Um, I didn't, like it was an organised trip. Um, so I was actually on the back of a truck for three months and I made some amazing friends, some of whom I'm still friends with, like this is 25 years later. So, um, yeah, just, it was incredible and it just changed everything. I think, you know, it just really opened me up. I was always a bit of a greenie, but it, it really did open up my eyes to connecting with the world and with the people and yeah, I'm just, it was amazing. So, and I got the travel bag bug really badly. So after four months, you came back home? Pretty much life fell into place. I got, you know, I got a nice little house with one of the girls I'd been to uni with. She managed to team me up and I got a really lovely job in design with a beautiful studio. And I was there for a number of years. And, um, and then I met the guy who became my husband. So um, life changed. <laughs> life kind of changed. He was a student at the time. Um, and he ended up getting a student placement in Adelaide. So we did the long distance relationship for 12 months. Um, but when he came home, he finished up his final year and we pretty much got married and um, went on our honeymoon and he'd been offered the job, the job in Adelaide. So we moved, like came back from our honeymoon, moved to Adelaide. Were you reluctant to move? Look, he didn't apply anywhere else. Cause, so I kind of knew we were, that was what we were going to do. <laughs> It was a really good job for him and I wasn't worried about me getting a job in Adelaide. Um, I did find the design market was a bit different there, but it turned out for the best in the end because I ended up getting a job with a paper company as a promotions manager. And you've worked in the design industry. You know that the promotions people for paper companies like playing Santa Claus. When I was working in a design agency, we used to love when the paper person came in because they always had stuff for us. Yeah, I know. And it was like you'd have these beautiful promotional pieces that you would take around to people and the designers would just love them and they were always so happy to see you and, you know, yes, you'd help them pick papers for their jobs and everything, but there was always these beautifully designed pieces on these beautiful papers and it was just so much fun. Like it was a lot of fun. Um, and I ended up knowing pretty much everybody in the industry through the whole of Adelaide really. Um, so did that. Um, after a few years, I was like, yeah, this is great fun, but you know, my brain needs a bit of a workout too. And I sort of wanted to look at the next step um, in the company. And um, so I managed to convince my boss to let me go back to uni. Um, I didn't tell him at the time that the subject or the course that I'd applied for was actually the first four units of an MBA. Was that very strategic? Was that a strategic move there, Kath? Yeah. 
I'd always, I'd wanted to do an MBA for ages, um, but I didn't honestly expect that they would support me the whole way through. Um, but they did, you know, I just had to do it one subject at a time. And, um, you know, it, there were a few contract things, but other than that, they did, they supported me the whole way through. And in the end, that paid benefits for them. I managed to launch an amazing campaign that um, the cause marketing one for environmental stuff that raised well half a million dollars for landscape projects but also um was worth millions and millions of dollars in additional revenue for the company so um you know and that sort of and i did that while i was still in adelaide so so all your loves came together there you said you know with the greenie yeah your greenie and then the design and yeah the marketing there yeah so so that all was, it was great. We just had a fantastic life. Russell, my, my husband and I continued to travel and um, do all this sort of stuff. And then go to the doctors one day and she's going, you're planning on having kids, aren't you? And I went, yeah. And she said, well, you might want to get your skates on. <laughs> anyway, we, we had a trip planned to Antarctica. So it wasn't going to happen immediately. Um, but when we got back, we sort of went, okay, yeah, fine. And that was great, and um, except for the fact that my dream promotion came up at work the week that I fell pregnant. Wow. So, yep. I, it was, you know, it was a big job. It was moving to Melbourne. It was moving to head office um, in the marketing team as a brand manager. It was for all the beautiful products. So, you know, I was going to actually be responsible for creating all those beautiful promotions. Um, you know, getting the top designers to work on those. Um, so I didn't even have a pregnancy test until after I had accepted the job. <laughs> Was that out of a moral obligation that I, then I can't lie to them if I don't know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, it was about nine weeks. So I woke up my first week on the job with my new boss and handed him a maternity leave form for three months. Now they've paid for my move. We bought a house, you know, the whole bit. It was just... Full on, and I went back four days a week when my son was three months old, and then full time when he was eleven months old. Um, and I figured that you know if anybody was going to be able to pull off this super mum thing, it was me. How did you feel about that, Kath? Look, I it was pretty hard at the time. Like when I first made the decision, that was a really big decision. But then I kind of figured, look, I've always been the kind of person if I put my mind to something, I'll achieve it. And I just, you know, other people have done it. Why wouldn't I be able to do it? Um, you know, we had chosen a house that was reasonably close to where I was working. So that side of things, I just thought it was just going to happen and it was going to work. And for a little while it, it did. Um, but, you know, things got tougher and tougher. The paper industry is, was going through a really rough patch. And um, that got harder. And then... Um, lo and behold, I tried to defer from uni again because I hadn't quite finished my MBA. And they said, no, you've got to go back to uni as well if you want to finish it. So when my son was 18 months, I also had to study as well as having this big, big marketing job and a, a two-year-old. Well, I'm presuming that Russell was quite supportive of all of this because you couldn't do this on your own. No, he was. He was, he was great. Um, but because he had such a big commute, he wasn't home. So um, when I went back to uni, probably the best thing happened though was he um, started working from home one day a week um, because he actually had to be here to pick up our son from daycare on that day because I had to go to uni that day. So um, that 
and that's continued. Um, I mean, at the moment, he's working full time at home. Um, <laughs> up until recently, yeah, he'd actually continued to work from home. And that's made such a difference to our lives. It, it really has. So, you know, dad's out there. One day a week really works. Right? Now, you can imagine things weren't going very well. And um, yeah, super mum fell down the stairs one day and decided what the hell's going on. Yeah. As, as it was bound to happen, Kath, with that much on your plate. Yeah. She pretty much went to her boss that week (laughs) and went, I can't do this anymore. Is there any way I can go to four days a week because I'm not happy. Um, The other thing that was happening, my son, I mean, I turned 40, my son turned three and I realised that I was, had completely missed out on so much. We were so like weekends were just completely dedicated to house stuff and, and whatever. We hadn't seen our friends for ages. I wasn't looking after my health. Um, and there were all, there was this big list of things that I wanted to do with my son that we hadn't done. I hadn't done any of these things, you know, and there were simple things like baking muffins or going down the port and watching the ships or all these sorts of stuff. And I was, I was pretty miserable and, and really struggling in pretty, yeah, pretty much every area of my life. So anyway, I sort of went, is there any way I can go back to four, four days a week, even if I have to give up this job anyway? So that was sort of in the middle of June, I think. And about a week or so later, I got this blast from somewhere that was um, the idea for my business leaf. Yep, that's when the business idea came back, running your own business. So I had done a unit at uni that I'd kind of played with the idea that I might like to start a business um, as a career planning unit. But I was actually looking at being a marketing consultancy, funnily enough. Um, but this idea for Leaf came. It just was huge. I had all these product ideas. I had all these, just everything came. And I sort of talked about it over the weekend with my sister. She got all excited. And then on Monday, I checked the trademark and wrote a bit of a mission statement. And on the Tuesday, I was made redundant. It's really interesting, Kath, because I think I'm seeing all these um, milestones in your life that kind of played out without you knowing that that was happening, but at the same time you were thinking that this, this could happen. Like you were thinking of having a turning point and suddenly you were at a turning point. Yeah, no, it's just like, and I didn't do anything by halves, you know, we didn't just get married. We got married and moved into state, you know, it was just all these things that happened. So of course I was over the moon. Um, you know, the, the outplacement people are like going, what, you're going to start a business. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to start a business. <laughs> I'd been there 10 years. So the payout was actually reasonably good. So, um, yeah, so I did pretty much within a few weeks, I'd gone, right, I'm going to start a business. And now Tell us about Leaf for people who don't know you. Leaf was a, set up as a stationary business. Um, I had the idea that I really wanted to do journals and items that would get people to think and reflect and take some time out for themselves and understand that. Now, I didn't intend at the time for it to be a kid's journal business, but it kind of happened that way. Um, I had these beautiful little games, which were storytelling games, and some of those themes were actually for adults, but I got the most interest from the market and actually when I did my first trade show I got put in the kids section um, which wasn't really what I had intended but you know okay so the kids stuff started moving it was getting picked up by toy shops and that kind of stuff so 
Um, and I was easier to do kids markets and general markets and that kind of stuff. So I really started focusing on kids products. Um, so there, there was some children's journals and these storytelling games were really what it, but I had, I want to start an empire, you know, <laughs> I had these massive, right? I was going to take Kiki K on, right? And every time she'd come out with this really cool journal idea, I'd get really frustrated because I'd already had that idea, you know, probably not any earlier than they had, but you know. <laughs> I was going to say, this was probably around the same time that Kiki K started, wasn't it? No, Kiki K had been in operation for a while because I'd actually had an idea within when I was still in um, paper company um, to do something similar with a, a retail brand that we had as part of that. But it was, it was about the time that she started really taking off. Yeah. So, yeah, about that time. And I was like going, and I think it was when Typo first entered the market too. So, for me, starting a stationary brand didn't feel like a really silly idea. Although I can look back at it and go, yeah, I guess got made redundant from the paper industry. (laughs) (laughs) Paper journals. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, And a lot of the things that I'd intended to do, blogging was really taking off at the time. And so, a lot of people stopped putting things like scrapbooking had been really huge, but then blogging started taking off. So, um, yeah, so that was kind of where it was at. Anyway, my first trade show was okay. We got a few things. We made a few rookie mistakes. I had my sister with me on it for that. And then the second one was a disaster. Um, we went to Sydney and I think I took about two orders for the whole show. And it, I'd taken my sister up to Sydney. You know, we paid all this money and yeah, it, just, it was a mess. So I was pretty much ready to come home and call it quits. So what time period, Kat? What time period are we thinking here? It was about 18 months from when I first sort of said I was going to start. So, um, yeah, so I had my first trade show just after 12 months that I'd been made, made redundant. And then this was about six months later. So um, I was pretty much ready to call it quits and just work out whether I was going to do something else. And then I got an email about a month later from a merchandising company um, inviting me to produce branded goods for a kids tv show um an abc kids tv show so had they seen you at that they hadn't been to the show but i was in the book and so they had they did approach a few different people that were in the book but for me it looked like the perfect kid it was kids products it was journals it was very environmental um it was just all the things that I felt were me and yeah. you know all that perfect kind of stuff. Fit. Yeah. It was a perfect Especially fit. at that point where you're like, oh, this is it, it's gone. And yeah, then yeah. This, again, another turning point, something pops yeah. up. Absolutely. So I kind of jumped at the chance. I went, this is my chance. I'm gonna, I'm, this is great. Um, and I also had the opportunity, I got approached to by a kids educational company or doing education toys to take over distributorship. Um, of my products that didn't quite work out but they did agree to be agents um, so they had a bit of a go at that so I thought everything was falling into place um, anyway I spent the next two years developing this product and putting it out and all that kind of stuff mind, mind you I am not earning any money we're doing a few markets and I'm barely breaking evening just on that um, I think this is when I met you. I met you around yeah. this stage. Yeah, and so we were, um, yeah, just eating away quietly at our savings, really. Um, but everything looked like it was on the up and, it, you know, it was worth investing in and, and all that sort of stuff. Well, it turned out that not only did my product flop miserably, but the whole merchandise program for that 
brand flopped miserably um and we'd invested a lot of time just two years do you think two years, two years. Yep. a lot of energy and yep. a significant amount of money yeah um, i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you how much money do you reckon well just on that project about 50 to sixty thousand dollars yeah yeah gut-wrenching um, yeah now that's not including the fact that i was we were still eating out of our savings because um, we'd made financial commitments and stuff like that that were based on me having a decent income and we were having to draw our savings. So, yeah. Along that two-year timeline, could you have pulled out if you wanted to or was it all contractual and you just had to keep going? Probably in the first six months I could have pulled out, but after that I was pretty much contractual, yeah. Um, so, but, I mean, I... I did kind of like I wrote a note. I am not going to print unless I get ABC shops on board because ABC shops was still trading then, and and I it was an ABC it. product. ABC it was an ABC show. product. Yeah. Look, I there were things that perhaps weren't explained that weren't shared. Um, they were never going to get the support of ABC shops, and I didn't know that um, just because of things that had happened that were out of my control, and so. I went, I pressed the print button <laughs> anyway, which I shouldn't have done. <laughs> Just the most beautiful notebook for 40, four year olds the world has ever seen. <laughs> Just, I, I've got some, I've got a couple, I reckon in the cupboard for my, oh kids my, God. my number one feedback was it's too beautiful to give my kids. <laughs> <laughs> There's that designer. <laughs> anyway, so yeah i um, were you were you proud of the product oh it's so beautiful like it's just yes very proud but by that stage we've run out of money um the other thing that happened was my husband came home from work one day not feeling so good and got rushed to hospital um he was okay it was just a, a bit of a panic attack but i think i pretty much made the decision the next day that we were going to close um yeah, it wasn't worth worth risking your health. That just wasn't yeah. worth it. I'd already had my accountant tell me, you know, you're going to have to do something about this. So I pretty much wrote a beautiful blog post and reached out to the community that I created over the last four years and had a big sale. And I reckon I sold more product in that one month than I had in the previous four years. <laughs> But look at that, isn't that, that's a, like a, um, that's the power of community, building a community, a true community. Amazing. Um, and I went and hid in the corner for, cried in my studio for a couple of months. Yep. Anyway, one particular day, I was coming out, it was a beautiful spring day, and coming out here, I don't know if I was packing orders or, you know, setting stuff up to donate to charity or whatever I was doing, and I looked around and I went, okay, so financially, I failed but I looked at every other aspect of my life like my marriage my relationship with my son and what you know we'd had a wonderful time with him at preschool he was at primary school by this stage but um that preschool year was just amazing and and still was great I was working only school hours um, I was fitter and healthier I'd made all these wonderful new friends in business I was at least able to see my other friends as well and I looked at everything and I went oh my God, I haven't failed at all. 
this is this is what success looks like if I can just get the money side of it right. See, isn't that interesting? Because previous to you starting Leaf, you had the successful job and you had the money coming in, but you were so unhappy in every other aspect of your life. And so this literally flipped it on its head. Completely, completely. And so I went, I'm going to start again. Because I was looking at getting a job at that stage and I was looking at, you know, I have to get a big marketing job. There's no little marketing jobs for somebody with an MBA. You know, it's just, what was I going to do? <laughs> um, and I didn't want to go and back into that life. You experienced what you always wanted. Yeah, I did. It was like yeah. I finally went, right, okay. So I finally just started a graphic design company. <laughs> yeah. Back to your roots. Back to my roots. So yes, I managed to start a design and marketing company um, called, which I had an, I had a name already, Spicy Cat Creative. I just went, oh, well, we'll just use that. So um, I did. And I was very fortunate in those early days that it seemed like an endless supply of my friends were starting businesses. God bless them. God bless them. And they needed <laughs> logos and websites and things. <laughs> and um, yeah. That's what I did. Um, about a year or so on from that, I thought I'd have a bit of a play. I was really keen on this idea of the human side of marketing. And especially with some of the experiences that I'd had with my uh, merchandising program where they were really reluctant to market because it seemed to be, you know, bad and evil and all those kind of things. Um, I really wanted to bring that human side of marketing you know, really about connection and, and whatever. So I started Wholehearted Marketing as a brand with an idea that it would be a community um, that people would subscribe to or join and then I would provide courses and support from that. Was there any hesitation, Kath, sorry to interrupt, was there any hesitation to start? Spice Cat was sort of ticking along. Um, did you feel a sense of, I don't want to fail again? Oh, all the time. Yeah. I mean, I actually still get a bit of post-launch stress disorder. <laughs> you know, you need I an find... acronym for that one? I do. <laughs> Post-launch, P-L-S-D, P-L-S-D, yeah, there you yeah. go. <laughs> Launching for me is just, it. it's quite an anxious process to the point where I'm kind of working, still working out ways I can trick my brain around that because I just do go into a really horrible state of anxiety about it um, if things don't work out. You know, if I don't get an immediate uptick or I don't have that, I'll just, I just drop the campaign, which is not how it works. I know this as a marketing person. This is it's your brain speaking and your heart saying something else, yeah. To the point where I've had to sometimes outsource some of that work because I can't do it. Um, so, yeah, it is. It's really hard. And for someone who wants to move now more into doing workshops and coaching and masterminds and that kind of stuff, um, I have to get over that or get someone else to actually do the work of it because, um, yeah, I, I still really struggle with that. So, yes, yes, definitely. Yeah. 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 Um, that idea of, you know, I've now got what I would call quite a successful practice. Um, but, you know, definitely these new things, putting these new things out there triggers really badly do you think you had a little bit of that before you had the experience with leaf or when you went to launch leaf 
do you feel like you didn't have it? Like you think it's all caused from this expunge experience? Yeah, yeah. Look, yeah. It, it darn near broke me. It, yeah. it really did. And, you know, we had two or three years where we were financially were really, really tough. Um, and, you know, that's a really hard way to start a business because you don't have the money to go out to lots of networking events or you don't have the money to invest in the things that will help you grow your business. Um, and, you know, just because you've got bills to pay. Um, and it's not something I recommend. Don't start a business if you've got no money, really. <laughs> but you know what, though? Businesses are so easy to start these days. All you need is a laptop and an internet connection and away you go. Look, I was lucky too. Being a designer, I was able to design my own logo and build my own website and, and do some of those things myself that other people perhaps can't. So I saved all that money <laughs> and, um, yeah, and, and get, and get myself out there. And, yeah, it was, look, I had a few really rough years. The other thing is that was the grief. Um, nobody was the baby. It was my other baby. Yeah, and I understand that. Nobody sort of understood that. You know, I even had a counsellor at the time who was quite a, you know, a dear friend as well. And he was just like, you know, I'm worried about you. You feel like you're slipping into depression and everything. And this was only a month after I'd closed. And I'm like, no, no, no. You have no idea what I'm going through. And I don't know that even I realised that it was grief until probably in, until I was over it. And that was probably about three or four years later. Do you think, Kath, because then you open wholehearted marketing after Spicica because you wanted to build a marketing community, do you think you wanted to build a community as such because you knew how important it was to have people around you that understood what you were going through as a business owner? Oh, absolutely. Um, but I think the thing that was really driving me was that I wanted to support other small business owners, particularly, look, I'll be honest, particularly women in micro business. And I've never deliberately said that, you know, as part of my thing, because I get quite a lot of men as design and website clients. So um, now that I've got the brand covering all of it, <laughs> I don't necessarily want to say good, no to that kind of work. Cause that is still ideal client work for me providing their in, you know, small business. But I wanted them to have the opportunity, like I did, of being able to have that life in balance, really. And so being able to market their business successfully in a way that would support that, that was kind of what was driving me um, and what still drives me. Um, I suppose I had really seen the benefits for my child about having mum around. Um, and that was huge for me. I mean, one of the things I did learn when I had leaf was this idea of kids and thriving and you needed to be present enough to understand your kids so that you'd know what it was that they were passionate about or where their sparks were. And so that you could encourage them. Whereas if you were busy parenting on autopilot, cause you just didn't have the time and the energy, um, some of those things might get missed. And that was what was driving me really. Yeah. So how many years has it been since you launched Wholehearted Marketing now? Well, Spicy Cat Wholehearted Marketing, because I merged yep. them, has been, I've been in business nearly seven years. Yep. Yeah. And what's, what's happening now and what's to come? Well, 
my son went to high school last year. So suddenly another turning point, another turning point. And it's like, he's, he's also big into music. So he had a lot of ensemble practices after school and things like that. So I was suddenly at home in my lovely she shared studio on my own for like 10 hours a day (laughs) going, yeah, this is fun. Uh, (laughs) It's a bit lonely out here, isn't it? So I suppose I started thinking, look, I really, I have done a bit of coaching and mentoring and I love running workshops and and that sort of stuff. So that was something I really sort of wanted to move into a bit more. Um, Again, that involves a bit of like community building and launching and that kind of stuff. So it was sort of starting to get that. And I was also, I've been playing around with this idea of really delving into what we view as success as society. Um, And that, you know, I believe we've got it so wrong. And I think the opportunity we've got at the moment is to reflect on that quite a bit. So that had been, I've even started writing a book about it, but you know, yeah, one day. I've hit the research bits. I've got all my ideas out, but now I'm going to go and talk to people and all that kind of stuff. Uh, look, I had, that was my plan for this year. And of course this year was not the time to go and run lots of live events and, um, network and and all those sorts of things that I was really keen on on trying to do to build up this new aspect of my business and I was going to sort of look at perhaps even rebranding from from that point of view um but now no look I've got a great little design marketing business that's ticking along so this year that's pretty much what I'm doing and on reflection Kat this is an interesting question because you might actually answer something that I don't think. You, anyway, let me just ask the question. Ask the question and I'll, I'll work it stop out. Me, stop me mulling over it in my head. But would you have done anything different, Kat? I don't know. <laughs> um, you know, if I hadn't, there's been a few times where I've gone, if I didn't do this, I would have always asked what would have happened if not, you know. Um, and so I've always done that. You know, there was some guy in America that I went in Africa that I went, you know, I have to at least go and see him and find out, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Follow your heart, <laughs> you know. And just like got there and went, nah. <laughs> um, but so I think that if I'd been offered that opportunity and I hadn't taken it, I, I would have always asked what if. Um kind of still wish I hadn't pressed the print button (laughs) so you know there's breaking contracts and then there's losing forty thousand dollars worth of print (laughs) and you know sending most of that into a busy bin that was really hard um no I don't know too hard too hard I know I know I, I know my husband sometimes has a bit of a go and say I should have stopped you from printing (laughs) <laughs> but what's what's done is done as well though isn't it what's Absolutely. done is done and you know we're now in a pretty good place like it's certainly not back where we were but you know we've I'm, I'm actually fairly financially um literate and good with finances so we've actually paid off all our debts now and gotten ourselves in a place where you know we'll head through you know the next 10 15 years towards him retiring anyway, um, in a pretty comfortable spot. And I've just learnt, look, the most important thing is I've learnt that you don't need 
all of the fancy things. You know, I live in a bushfire prone zone. It's like you, you can't be attached to stuff here. You just can't. So, you know, providing that I'm, you know, doing great things and doing good work, meaningful work and connecting with people and looking after my family and all those things, then that's all you really need. You know, I don't need, I've lost that desire to build an empire, which I don't know is a bad thing. <laughs> well, that's the thing, isn't it? What, what is an empire to you? It's a different empire to me and a different empire to someone down the street. So, again, but what you said earlier as to your own definition of success. Absolutely. And what does that mean? And I, think, yeah. I think that my definition of success has, has certainly changed through this process. Definitely. And, um, yeah, and so if I can help other people with that, you know, there's definitely improved most, you know, a lot of people in very small business can make a lot of improvements to ensure they're not making their lives harder than they need to be. Yeah. But, you know, um, you know, charging properly is a good start. <laughs> um, but, you know, I I'm, I'm want them to build the best business they can, but it doesn't have to be a bigger business and growth yep. doesn't have to be bigger and faster and more. And that's really what I, I feel that I've discovered over the process. So, yeah. Doing it smarter, not harder, as they say. Yeah. 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 All right, Kath, one last question. Mm. What has been, and I'm not going to let you say your husband or your son, but what has been your proudest moment along that journey that we've just talked about? My birthday last year. <laughs> even touched upon your singing no. and your whole music love for music being reborn yeah so my love for music got reborn um no look my as I said my son is quite a talented musician and he a couple of years ago he auditioned for a professional show and it was, we didn't actually realize how good he was um until we saw him in the school production and we were just blown away um, anyway, we said, do you want to go and audition for this show? So he did. And he nearly got in. Um, he, and this is not a kid who's had all that training and, and all that kind of stuff. He'd had some singing lessons, but other than that, he hadn't had all that training that kids often have if they're going to go down that path. And I remember being a bit envious, I think. <laughs> and I went, you know, back when I was in my like, late teens, early 20s, I wanted to sing jazz. And I studied for a year or so with a, a really top-notch Melbourne jazz singer and really didn't take the opportunity that seriously. Um, and I've suddenly gone, you know, it had always been one day, everything had gotten pushed back or I'd started, sort of looked at a course to do it or whatever, and I'd just never done it. Anyway, I'm going, I'm going to turn 50 and I still haven't done this. It's like, if not now, when? <laughs> so, you know called my midlife crisis number 657 or something. Um, <laughs> so I went, right, I'm going to do this. So I um, was in, I'd been in a choir. So that was, that was really fun with one of our fellow shiners, May. And um, so I started taking some singing lessons and managed to recruit my son who's been playing bass and my sister who plays piano. And Musical family, I love it. Musical family. <laughs> and we put together a band and we practiced and I performed a set at my birthday party and you were there and 
that is my proudest moment. I loved it. I had tears in my eyes. It was beautiful. I'd never seen that side of you. So that was really, really beautiful moment for me because I tend to think that I know the She Will Shine community and the She Will Shine members quite well personally. But this was one aspect of you, Kath, that I'd never seen. No, I've kept it hidden. I've kept it safe. Yeah. So, and it was time to go, no, I don't need to keep this hidden anymore and safe. I can step into it. So I did. And I did an exam as well last year and I've started playing guitar again <laughs> this year it's like you know oh, the singing lessons where it is much fun online so I'm going oh yeah let's do some guitar instead I played when I was a kid and a teenager isn't it beautiful that your the life that you have created with your business and the lifestyle that you have created around it is allowing you these opportunities yeah and I think that's what matters I really do um and and it's been nice to take back some of that space for me to not not just to throw it all into my son because I know that that was originally my my thinking was you know was about him but it has been really nice to reclaim some of that for me too and not just with you know making sure I get out for a walk. Thank you so much for your time Kath um I know that I've learned a little bit more about you um which I really appreciate you sharing with not just me, but also our whole community. And I'm looking forward to the next launch. We don't use that word. No, 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 you'll be fine because you've got us behind you. So you'll be right. Yeah. We'll all be there um, patting you on the back and ready to um, support you in that because I know you'll be amazing. But thank you. Sometime in the new year, I think. And thank you to everyone for tuning in today. If you're listening via audio, do head to shewashine.com.au to watch the video and to see Kath Shishet and the chickens. So there's just a little <laughs> tip for you. <laughs> but thanks for joining us. We'll be back again with another lockdown episode of the She Will Shine podcast soon. See you later. Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode of the She Will Shine podcast, we invite you to check out shewashine.com.au. She Will Shine is the essential support network you need to grow a thriving, meaningful business. We can help you grow your network, connect and develop genuine relationships, be supported and support others in building and growing a successful business on your terms. Say goodbye to working alone and become a member at shewillshine.com.au.